Hi, I'm Revati Satish, a student of Jindal Global Law School and one of the hosts of the Interlink podcast by the Center for New Economic Studies. Welcome to the show. Today, as part of our segment, Kitabu Ka Karwan, I'm going to be in conversation with Mrs. Sajita Nair, a former army officer turned author, about her latest book, The Grand Matriarch of Malabar. Captain Sajita Nair was among the first batch of women officers to serve in the Indian Army. Her debut best-selling novel, She's a Jolly Good Fellow, which is about women officers in the Indian Army, has been acquired for film adaptation as well. Apart from novels, she has also authored a collection of short stories set in the armed forces. These works, along with other titles in her repertoire, demonstrate her ability to craft compelling stories that resonate with readers from all walks of life. And on that note, welcome to the show, Captain Nair. It's such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much, Revati. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So I wanted to kick off this podcast by asking you a question. I'm sure a lot of uh, a lot of listeners want to hear from you, and uh, and that is, how did you switch your career? What was your motivation behind switching your career from being an army officer to a writer? And how did that feel? All right. Okay. So this is a question that I uh, get asked quite a lot. And uh, the thing is, I always liked writing. So when I was younger, I used to write journals. And uh, uh, although I never showed it to anyone. And uh, after that, uh, you know, I when I was serving in the army, I uh, used to write long letters to friends and, you know, to a lot of people describing about the place and uh, people and uh, how my life was and all these aspects. And uh, I used to hear back from them and they would say that, uh, why don't you write some more, tell us more about this, and, you know, and I realized that I, I liked writing and uh, I also realized that people enjoyed what I wrote. So that was the starting point. And uh, later on, when I, um, I was released from the army, uh, again, people used to ask me, like, um, how was your experience as, uh, you know, being a, being one of the few army officers, women army officers, and uh, uh, and I realized that, again, there was a lot of interest and I knew that I, I was going to write about that experience, but I was not going to write it as an article or any short piece of writing. I wanted to write it as a novel. And uh, after writing a few articles, you know, and few short uh, pieces of writing for uh, magazines and newspapers, uh, I sent this um, idea to Kala Ghoda Arts Festival in Mumbai. Hmm. Uh, there they had something called uh, an open book pitch contest wherein uh, participants could uh, pitch book ideas and I pitched this book idea about two women officers who were, uh, were trying to get into the male-dominated workplace of the Indian army and how they adapted and adjusted and finally emerged successful as uh, you know young women army officers so that was the premise and uh, uh, Heshit India picked up this idea from there and that's how this book was published as uh, She's a Jolly Good Fellow. And when one book was done, then I was confident enough to attempt, you know, the others. So that, that's how the, the progression happened. It took very long. Uh, but yes, that's how the, the transition in the career happened. That's amazing. And hopefully we'll <laughs> see that book on the big screen now. Uh, hopefully so, yes <laughs> uh, I wanted to come uh, I wanted to talk about your latest book which is the Grand Matriarch of Malabar for our listeners could you briefly tell them what the book is about and give them a little bit of a context uh, the book is called the Grand Matriarch of Malabar and it is about uh, the matrilineal system which was followed by the Nairs in Kerala and uh, 
Uh, it it is not prevalent anymore, but there was a time when the Nair's uh, lived in Tarawads, big Tarawads, big households. It was called Tarawad, and they followed a system of inheritance uh, uh, called Marumakkatayam. Uh, so uh, this book is set in Kerala in a Tarawat and it is around uh, the, the Nair community and how the transition I had tried in this book to capture the or to get the time uh, of the transition when this happened from the joint matrilineal uh, society to the current modern nuclear uh, nuclear societies that uh, so, I mean nuclear families that we see. So I have tried to uh, take one family uh, and uh, try to follow them as they, you know, uh, progressed or, or 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 as they transitioned from that phase to the modern one. So this is this is the book, and uh, the main character there is uh, Dakshanyama, and I'm sure we'll be speaking more about her as we, you know, go on. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, I had the opportunity to read your book. It's such a beautifully written book, and. I'm a Malayali as well, so I could relate to it completely. So thank you uh, so much. Thank you so yeah. much, Revati. Good to good to hear that coming, uh, you know, coming from a youngster like you. I'm happy that you read it and you liked it. So I would definitely recommend it to so many people. So from oh, uh, so. from my understanding of the book, it's about uh, this matriarch of the family called Dakshani Amma, who does absolutely everything in her power to ensure the continuity of the Tarawad. And because she's the matriarch of the family, it falls it it falls upon her to ensure that there's an heir uh, to her tarwad. So for anyone who's not familiar with the matrilineal system that is followed in Kerala, could you tell us a little more about it, how it works, who's the heir, how it's decided? All right. So a matrilineal implies that uh, the inheritance of property is done from mothers to daughters rather than from fathers to sons. So that that would make it patrilineal uh, society. So there are very few such, uh, societies uh, in the world uh, as such. Some in Africa that are matrilineal, but in India there are only two. That one is the Nairs of Kerala and the other one is the Khasis of Meghalaya. Uh, so in Kerala, the joint family system of uh, matrilineal inheritance was called Marumakatayam, which which I just uh, exp I just mentioned that, but let me explain that. Uh, it meant that a man's nephews and nieces formed part of the family rather than his wife and own children. So and in the system of uh, Marumakatayam, uh, there was nothing like a marriage. There was something called sambandam. So the Nair women never left the Tarawad. And uh, the children that were born uh, to her through Sambandams, uh, they lived in the Tarawat and the, they were the responsibility of the mother and her and the maternal uncles of the Tarawat. So, um, so this is this is a matrilineal system. And uh, would you like to know how it came about? Yes, yes, it would be great if you could give us a <laughs> bit of a historical context. Yeah, so uh, giving you that context. Uh, so the Nairs uh, were the martial clan or the warrior clan of Kerala and young boys were, uh, you know, even at a very young age, it would uh, start with Kalari Pai to the martial art of Kerala. And uh, as they grew up, they went, uh, they were trained for wars. So for them, death other than the battlefield, death any place other than the battlefield was considered disgraceful. So most Nair men were out of their Tarawads you know, fighting for the, for, for the, for the land, right? For, uh, with the Zamarins. 
So okay. women took over the management of the household and uh, they started to play more important roles in the society, uh, in their families. And, and that's how the matrilineal system came into existence. Okay. It sounds like such a, it's, you know, it's such a, uh, it's such a different system from ones that are usually practiced in society. Like, uh, you know, a large part of society practices the patriarchal system, which is, which revolves all, all around men. But this matrilineal system, I think it's a, it gives women a lot more autonomy. And how exactly does it impact gender dynamics? And is, is this a system that you know, empowers women. Would you agree with that statement? Yes, I think uh, it was empowering because when there were patriarchal and patrilineal systems elsewhere in the world, here was one wherein women had a more power and authority and uh, they had a say in matters of property and wealth and they had lesser gender-based discriminations and more autonomy uh, in their own lives. Uh, and also they had the stability that the Taravat provided. So I would say that, uh, yes, they were empowered, the women, uh, uh, when you look at the gender dynamics, uh, women had a say uh, in the overall scheme of things. But it is not to be confused with uh, matriarchy because uh, it was not entirely, uh, you know, women were not entirely powerful because uh, uh, there was a male head in the Marumakatayam systems, uh, uh, the elder uncle, the eldest uncle of the Taravat called the Karnavar. Uh, he used to take a lot of uh, decisions for the family, for the well-being of the family. So he was essentially like a feudal lord who was the head of the Taravad. And also that women continued to perform traditional roles of uh, taking care of the household and children. Uh, but despite that, they still had a say in their lives and uh, the family and their futures. Right. I think a lot of people, uh, me included, before I really understood what, what the matrilineal system was, they kind of mistake it for matriarchy. They often get confused. But I think, like you said, the matrilineal system is more to do with inheritance um, right, and, right. and who has control over the land that, that, that gets passed on from ancestors, right? Correct. Correct. Matriarchal is entirely different, wherein, you know, where, where women are, women take complete control over of, of everything. Right. But but uh, Metrolini is different. So, yes, there is a difference. Right. It's so nice that we cleared that up. I think a lot of people would have a little more clarity now. Yeah. <laughs> right. The next question that I had for you was, I want to talk about Dakshayani Amma. Uh, so mm -hmm. she is one of the main, the book essentially revolves around her desires and her main desire to find an heir for her property, for her Tarwad, and to ensure that uh, you know, her daughter is married and she produces an heir uh, and therefore the, Tar the, the Taravad grows and evolves with her daughter. But even though we've discussed that the matrilineal system is very empowering, it gives women a lot of autonomy, women get to make their own decisions. Due to this, the main character, who's Dakshayani Amma, in order to fulfill her desires and her wishes for the continuation of the Taravad, a lot of other women's desires had to be suppressed. Her daughter-in-law's desires had to be suppressed because she had to live under Dakshayani's Amma's thumb. Uh, her, dot, uh, her, her daughter didn't get uh, was under her thumb for a long time. So in this regard, in this perspective, do you see any similarities between matrilineal societies 
and patriarchal ones? And which one is better in your perspective? Okay, so let me talk about the story first and then we'll talk about in the general sense, right? right. So in the story... Yeah. So in the story, Dakshyanama was, as as you re already read the book, she's very, very attached, emotionally attached to her Taravat, uh, the Kalyada Taravat, and she wants her daughter to continue the uh, the legacy of the Taravat. And she was ready to go to any length uh, to achieve that in the process. And uh, uh, irrespective of being an uh, empowered woman herself. She even uh, walked upon her, I mean, she took her daughters-in-law for granted and uh, she did not give them the same power that she enjoyed. Well, she did all that for the only goal uh, of passing on the Taravat to her daughter first and then to her granddaughter. So this is this particular scenario is specific to this story. Uh, wherein she had the power, but but the power was not passed on to the other women who came uh, into the Taravat. Uh, but this, as a, as a general, now this is a story that uh, that I, I wrote and I created. But if you look at it uh, in a general sense, uh, matrilineal, I I still maintain a matrilineal society. Uh, women uh, do have the power. See, Dakshinama had the power, but it was her choice whether or not to grant that power to uh, the other women of the household. So this is very specific to the story. Um, ideally, now when we're comparing uh, Metrilini and Petrilini, um, my personal opinion is that an ideal society would be, which is neither matrilineal or patrilineal or neither matriarchal or patriarchal. And uh, I think we should be moving towards equality. Uh, I don't know if it's a, a, it's a utopian idea, but I think I somehow feel that we are getting there. And uh, I think we are in, in the generation. I, I mean, youngsters like you, um, you know, I'm sure you'll not take anything anything lesser than anyone else, right? So I think right. we are moving more towards more towards an equal society and I, I think that's that's the society we should aspire for neither of the two neither matrilineal or patrilineal it should just be an equal society right equality between both genders is the best a society which does not revolve around either so that both of right, them have an exactly. equal say is is what should be the goal over here right 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 and these uh this practice of matriline in kerala does it does it still exist or has it declined, you know, as our world, as people migrate often to uh, to other countries? Is matrilineal on the decline? And can these practices still be found in Kerala today? I don't think so, because when I look around, uh, I don't see many Taravads at all. And I don't see the matrilineal system being followed anywhere. Um, so uh, right now, it is not there at all, is what I believe. Uh, there may be uh, a few patches here and there, but but that would be it. And uh, uh, the the decline of this uh, matrilineal uh, system happened uh, uh, very gradually with the uh, with the arrival of the Europeans. So when they arrived uh, to Kerala, so many things changed. The socioeconomic changes happened, land reforms happened, and they were shifting morals as per the Western concept of families as to what constitutes a family. So. Uh, uh, it was in 1896 that uh, um, Marriage Act, Malabar Marriage Act was passed, wherein Sambandams uh, were to be registered as marriage. It started from there because some, Sambandam was a very loose arrangement. 
right so okay. uh, they said that they said that no it has to be uh, it has to be registered as a marriage then again in 1925 there was a bill terminating matrilineal uh, and the partition of the property uh, was then permitted uh, and again once again you know it was a very gra very gradual process and then it, once again in 1975 the kerala joint hindu family system abolition act was passed and right. by now most members had had moved out of uh, the tharavads and they were living in nuclear homes with just father mother and children so i must mention here about a very uh, i mean i'm sure you'd look this up there's a painting by raja ravi verma and it's okay. called uh, here comes here comes papa all right so it is just it's a painting of a woman holding a baby and okay. they are waiting for their papa right so mm -hmm. in in today's times it is just a norm it is just a, the, it is just how it is but when the system of matrilineal was changing it was a very big statement as to how we are changing here is a child and a and a wife waiting for i mean the the papa to come for the child's right. papa to come because until then the uncles were they played a very important part in the child's life but right now uh, the move was the, the the father was now playing a very important role in, in the life of a child so yes um, so that's how the transition happened and uh, uh, and i think now uh, we we don't see that anymore i mean we don't right. see the matrilineal system anymore right on a side note uh, you know mm -hmm. is it extremely important for a woman to continue the tarawad or can a man also continue the tarawad why do we place so much importance on women ensuring its continuation what uh, is that was a system oh Sorry. that was just how the system was yes yes like okay. i i said i explained i think uh, when you asked the very first question was like mm. uh you know the nair men they went out they were out at wars uh, so they were never home and uh, right. for them it was right so that that's how the system began because women had mm. to finally then take care of themselves and the families that's how the system began so then it became important because it was assumed that the men folk born in the nair uh, community would be out at war so that's how uh, the system began that mothers would pass down their i mean the inheritance would uh, happen from mothers to uh, daughters did consistency you know the consistency of being at home the con uh, a woman's constant present presence at the tarawad have anything to do with it like is yes, uh, exactly because okay. because the women women was there available for anything that was required for the tarawat to run the tarawat to take care of the children in the tarawat uh, to to take care of the fields and estates of the tarawat someone had to do all that right because the income came from the from the estates uh so so that's how women stayed back and uh, and then uh, the system came into being because men were hardly around uh, men would be out uh, uh, training for uh, their the battles and Uh, and many would not even return men for many of them would not even return to the tarawats okay so it became important that you know women uh, uh, to for for women to take over right yeah okay. uh, i want to dive back into the characters of the story so okay. uh, in the story dakshani amma uh, as she grows older we can see that the world um, evolves faster than she does and her mindset in many ways is still etched in the years are gone she she still believes that even though her daughter has moved away she is gone now to live in the us 
Takshani Amma still has this belief that she'll come back, live with her, and Paviram, her daughter, will ensure the continuity of the Tarwad. And mm-hmm. even in a situation where that was not pass- possible because her daughter had moved on with her own life, people often mm-hmm. accused Dakshani Amma's mindset of being too narrow and too archaic. People told her to move on. Um, mm-hmm. The ways in which she believed were now too old to be practiced anymore. But is there any mm-hmm. merit in in Dakshani Amma's thinking? Do you feel that in this fast-paced world, a lot of people are, ru- are losing touch with their roots where they're from, and is there any merit to Dakshani Amma's perspective? Uh, all I would say is that uh, now when I wrote Dakshani Amma, the character, uh, I was very sure about one thing, that uh, she would neither be good nor be bad. So I wanted to tread the gray area between uh, the good and the bad. So Dakshani Amma has her own way of thinking, her own, she's uh, she's uh, ambitious at the same time. She, uh, you know, she's not changing with the times, right? So right. so when I wrote this character, uh, now now you would agree with me when I say that uh, you may not love Dakshani Amma, but nor can you hate her, right? So that was the middle ground that I was, I was trying to uh, create with this uh, character. Uh, and another thing is that, uh, from from whatever we have seen in the world, change is the only constant, right? right? So ideally, essentially, when even as you and I are talking, we are constantly changing as individuals, we are changing as a society, we are constantly changing. And right. when someone doesn't adapt, adapt and adjust with the changes that are happening around them, then they become laggards. And then uh, they, you know, people around uh, in the society would not value them anymore because they're not there. They're, they are living somewhere in the past. And that is what happened with Akshayanama. She continued to live in the past and catching up with time was not her priority. So, okay. um, yeah. So, but, but having said that, um, uh, talking about you know people connecting with their roots uh, i also was uh, you know towards the end of the story i wanted a youngster a young girl to come back from the us uh, and uh, come and understand more about her roots understand her own story which is also very important uh, because uh, most people today we are we just follow whatever the trends are all over the world we we really don't look at who we are as people where have we originated from right who are our ancestors so i also thought that it is important to convey that aspect and that is how i wanted rohini to return to her roots to understand more about herself and then and then do what was best uh, in in her given circumstances of you know whether to continue with the tarawat or or in which way i would not want to divulge more about the story yeah. here and she ultimately right. stays as well <laughs> yeah right I want to ask you, just from an author's perspective, uh, do you have a okay. favorite character that you wrote? Um, yes, uh, the favorite character. I My favorite character is Achudan because, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, because uh, uh, he places his uh, mother so 
above himself and which is a very difficult thing to do uh, uh whatever his mother says uh, he does he's an obedient son and he understands that the mother doesn't have any other emotional support uh, other than him and and he does everything in, he could uh to ensure that you know mother is um, happy and uh, he he doesn't hurt her so i think i think uh, uh it took him it uh, his life did not go uh, exactly the way probably he envisioned it to be right, right. Uh, but but i think it it was uh, a large i think it requires a very large heart to be able to do that and so that's right. why I, I i like this character right achutan yeah one of the reasons that my favorite character was, was achutan because i think i like you said he was just pure at heart no and and i was as i was reading the book i believe that so many of his sacrifices went unnoticed i feel he uh, he did a lot but he didn't make a really big deal out of it uh, which is right. one thing that i really liked and right. another thing that um do you feel that um just do you feel that dakshani amma should have been given like a redemption arc or uh you know it's just best to leave her as a really complex character she made a lot of mistakes she was slowly realizing what she did was wrong but, mm-hmm. um w- what is your perspective on that no i think you know um, revati when i wrote the story i wrote it in a million versions and i'm not joking okay. <laughs> not a million but yeah many many versions yeah. so in one i wanted okay everything comes back to normal and everyone is happy that was mm-hmm. one that was one story and in a, another one i i mean i wrote so many versions of the story and in one version i wrote the house the tarawa telling its own story right okay and, uh, yeah i thought that was a very good idea but mm-hmm. um, but again then it was changed to it i said okay no i'll i'll do it another way and then finally i did this story and uh, i feel that the for you know as i told you Uh, as and even as you mentioned it's a very complex character and uh, as a writer to be able to explore the complexities of uh, the humans that we are the psychology of uh, human beings right so that that i have really enjoyed doing with this character and uh, i think that uh, the towards the end uh, uh, i did not want to really give her a redemption arc she realizes though she realizes everything she and then she re- also realizes she also realizes that it's time to go when it's time to go right right so so and and also that the the part that i mentioned about she not being uh, her priority not being uh, to catch up with time so around her things were changing uh, so drastically so fast and yet she uh, lived in her past in her past glory right, right. so again it, it it cannot happen like that as as things are moving as time is changing if you if you are stuck up somewhere then it becomes very very difficult mm. right so so i i think overall uh, i'm quite satisfied by the way um it has ended and i i don't think because as i told you i've written many versions and i thought this mm. was the best one and i also had beta readers tell me as to you know what version should i finally stick with and <laughs> this is a feedback i got <laughs> and i thought this is the best way to go then for the book yeah it's it's a uh, it's a really wholesome book you know it's it's also very well rounded even the reader feels like okay you know that there's closure now 
because even though so many right. people sacrificed so much to make her wishes come true it ultimately mm-hmm. does happen but not in the way that she expected it but it still does happen right so it does that's happen. A, that's yes, a really exactly. as- the really beautiful aspect of the book oh thank you so much <laughs> and i wanted to ask you what can we learn from the legacy of matrilineal societies i know that now the practice has it's come almost nearly non existent but are there any values applicable to our current society oh uh, yes I, i i think so because uh, uh in the matrilineal society uh, the position of women the better position of women is something that we can emulate and uh, i feel that when when women become role models in the smallest unit of society that is a family her next generation is able to imbibe her strong character uh, i feel that the sons learn to respect women and the daughters learn to be confident and uh, independent themselves uh that is one aspect and the other aspect is uh, what i feel is that um in the joint families because there were so many members there were people for people were always there for each other through uh, joys and sorrows hmm. uh, and when we look around today we find that uh, it's a very indi- individualistic world and there's a lot of loneliness and depression uh, that we keep hearing about because there's hardly any human interaction these days it's more through gadgets and you know through emojis right so right. i feel that i feel that when you have you know physical proximity with other human beings okay and that really helps in the mental health aspect because then you're uh, chatting laughing discussing uh, and sharing your joys and sorrows you know you're together so that is also another aspect probably um somehow if we could imbibe in our society as yes, so you know we have more human interactions and i'm i'm talking about uh, physical interactions and not through gadgets right so right. that is again uh, one more thing i think uh, that you know we could uh, take that's a very good takeaway from our joint uh, society joint uh, families yeah that that's really true right. and i think <laughs> with this book you're also going to convert a lot of people into being malayali because the way you've written it i saw some of the you know descriptions of the kind of food that dakshinani amma cooks and you know it was it was just so <laughs> so nice to read <laughs> i think i've been told that i've been yeah. told that someone said i just want to have a paisam right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> she can really cook well yeah i was just noticing <laughs> like over the years that's one skill that just continues to grow better uh-huh yeah although although she did have her you know her friend uh, and uh, in in bhanu who who really helped her out with her all yeah. her recipes in the kitchen as well yes yes i i agree that uh, you know there's a lot of mention about uh, uh, food and dishes and uh, finger licking goodness and everything so <laughs> a lot of readers have told me that uh, you know uh, they kept the book aside and they went to the kitchen <laughs> to prepare something for themselves <laughs> yeah so that's I, also I, good to yeah. know <laughs> that i think that that's a completely valid reaction from them yeah <laughs> so ma'am what are your what are your future plans are there any more books in store uh, and uh, a sequel maybe to this the grand matriarch of malabar uh no actually i'm not thinking about a, a sequel uh long back you know when i'd written she is a jolly good fellow i used to be asked are you writing a sequel because it's such an interesting story about two women officers and i said no uh, i'm not writing a sequel so uh, as of now i don't think i'm doing a sequel t- uh, to this story as well 
Uh, okay. But yes, there are other, yes, there, there are other ideas I have uh, and uh, I'm working on, I've kind of begun working on. And, um, uh, you know, nothing much has been written about the naval life uh, in, in our popular literature. And I would like to do something related to, you know, uh, when, see, whenever we, we talk about the armed forces, we talk mostly it's about the army, right? So I want to write right. maybe some stories set uh, set in the in the uh, you know a naval base perhaps, and uh, uh, and and maybe if possible, I would like to work. Uh, I mean, write something about uh, the lives of submariners and uh, submarines. So since I've been very wow. closely attached with that kind of life, so I would like to write something around that. So mm. that's what I'm working on now. I look forward to reading your next book as soon as as soon as it's out. Uh, and with that, and with that, we bring to we bring our discussion to the close. Ma'am, thank you so much for joining us. It was such a pleasure to have you, and all the best on all your next uh, upcoming endeavors. And we'll hopefully see you, you soon so again. Much. Thank you so much, Revati. It was really a pleasure talking to you. And you asked some very nice questions. And I think we also delved a little deeper into the book and the characters as well. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm so happy to know that, you know, youngsters like you are reading so much. That's Please continue that. Thank, Thank you, you so much for joining us. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.